The world around us is changing faster than ever before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome to Data Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be brave, and be fearless. Let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome to the Data Gurus Podcast. I wanted to focus on something a little bit different as it related to trends in the market research space or analytics space, really focus on what I consider the last mile. And sometimes I feel like we worry so much about the methodology, the approach, the flexibility. We don't talk about enough, I think, about how we can actually let data and insights be unlocked within the client base. So I thought it appropriate to invite Anthony Franklin, the CEO of InfoTools, to join me today to talk a little bit more about data visualization, data processing, and talk about his experience. Welcome, Anthony. Thanks, Timo. Good to be here today. I'd love for you just to share a little bit of your story and your journey as to how you got to this point. Sure. Well, I'm married a New Zealander in London and we came out to Auckland for a holiday and decided, I decided, we decided it was in fact a far better place to live rather than London. You only need to walk on one of those beautiful deserted beaches down here and realize they're, they're not 500,000 people on the same beach. Um, so you can get some amazing isolation, amazing scenery, fantastic climate, not too hot, not too cold. And so, yeah, so that was a, a whole new world to travel and emigrate from the UK all the way down here, although all my extended family is still back in the UK, but uh, we've been here for, gosh, 32, 33 years. But unfortunately, my wife passed away a few years ago, So, but my kids are very much sort of... New Zealanders. Grown-up Kiwis, so very much New Zealanders, that's right. So, yeah, a great place to live. Did you start out in market research? I've got a social science degree, so from South Bank University in, in London. I'd worked in sort of sales and marketing in the UK. So when I joined, I was able to use that in, I got a, a role at uh, a company called AGB McNair. And AGB McNair used to be New Zealand's largest research company, doing a lot of syndicated work, a lot of ad hoc work, and a lot of media with all the TV ratings, the print readership. And so managed to get a, a role there and where I met many of the people who I actually still work with now, actually. So, but working for, for AGBit in the syndicated area was very interesting and it was my introduction to the world of market research and also the world of large stacks of paper printer. Yeah, yeah. Yes, for those who don't remember that time, how was data delivered 30 years ago? Uh, well, it's crazy. I mean, you're talking about a world with floppy disks, you know, sort of yeah. three-inch, five-inch floppy disks, printer drivers. Technology in those days was still sort of, even though we had PCs, it was very, very early days. It's C-prompt, so no Windows, no pretty interface. It was really just type your command code in and away you go. But I do remember visiting companies that had whole rooms dedicated to paper printouts. I mean, just stacked. Of paper. Yeah. And when you were thinking about 
you know, a need in the marketplace or the starting or the founding of InfoTools, you and your coworkers or your co-founders, was it to really address that pain point in the marketplace at that time? Yeah, I don't think there wasn't really a pain point at that time. It was really seeing how you could actually transform what was a very manual basis right. to something completely different. So, and the ability to capture data and interrogate it easily, as opposed to through command line instructions, um, was just incredibly revolutionary. There was just nothing like it. The market was open and ready. And of course, the fact is you could do a quick analysis or a quick uh, run, create a table, press one button and graph it. Right. Meant that you suddenly had instant graphing, what we called autographing. We were doing a lot of work with some of the big multinationals in those days. There were a few sort of leaders who really saw, just got it. I absolutely got it. Yeah. Um, some of the, so BAT was a, an early uh, supporter of InfoTools, which we ended up working with worldwide because they wanted to empower their researchers. They wanted to give their researchers the ability to slice and dice the data to drill down into it and use their own product knowledge to connect with the actual data that they're seeing. So many platforms which were starting to appear were just doing what you used to be able to do manually, as in more tables, more crosstabs. So we were trying to change that whole perception about crosstabs and give the individual the ability to use the computer, to use a platform, a desktop platform those days to automatically find things, find things in the data. So you harness the power of the computer. And Mm -hmm. so many of those things that were in the desktop, we today are still importing into our new cloud world. Mm. And I would imagine since technology continues to evolve, it just forced you guys, not forced, but it enabled you to continue to improve and do more and more within your platform. Yeah, it did. I mean, again, I suppose we've got old world, which is desktop, new world, which is cloud. That desktop program had probably over 20 years of input development and IP that was built in there, covering all sorts of things and a range of things which are often very, very complex to do in traditional tools like SPFS. So be able to do cluster analysis with just two or three clicks all through to other types of capabilities, which again, shortcutted the need for specialists or backroom experts because all that multivariate stuff was generally done in the backrooms from Boffin that would do it. We took it, we enabled it, so anyone could actually do it. So understanding the data is a little more challenging. And so our teams were making sure that people could work their way through it and assess it and use it correctly. Your interesting combination in terms of a company because you have that technology slant and core competency, but you also have the same core competency in the market research side and to be able to marry them together. Yeah, very much so. So our programs have always been designed by market researchers for market researchers and very, very specific for that as well. So the although the developers are cutting the code, they really still need a market researcher to explain what is the end result? What are you trying to achieve? So we try and actually, so we put it through a market researcher's lens and that's really carried through right the way through to the present day. But um, there's always a challenge, I think, to avoid the complexity taking over 
and try to ensure that you've got some simplicity in all of the appeals to as wide an audience as possible. Now, five years ago, you made a conscious decision to move into the cloud, to build a platform that allows your knowledge, your software to be accessible through the cloud. How did you make that decision? Was it a survival tactic or was that an opportunity that you saw? I actually think it's now six years, actually, probably heading. Yeah, so it's really, time has been. It's amazing. Yeah, I know. It's it's, uh, been incredible, actually. But one of the reasons for InfoTools at the very early stages is that we were doing a lot of the data preparation for our clients. Even though we had agencies, micro-research agencies in New Zealand and elsewhere using the uh, data setup tools, it was very, very complex. We had about over 100 data manipulation tools that we developed here just to work with all sorts of varieties of data. So there was always the challenge of getting data in to an easy-to-use platform. So market research data, as we all know, is very complex and doesn't easily fit into the normal IT world. And so we were also dabbling in building dashboards. We were doing custom-built dashboards probably, oh gosh, it would have been 10, 12 years ago, actually. So we'd already been dabbling in the, just the differences in terms of delivery of data rather than just the ability to drill into the data and find stuff. This is the ability to present it creatively as well. So we, the challenge was how do we get data in easily? How does it update easily? And how do we also be able to share the analysis through reports, stories, and really ways that, and push the mobile, and ways that can democratize that data. So the idea was to really a one-size-fits-all. So whatever data, we call it from data to the delivery. So wherever the data comes from, and it may be market research, it may be something else, gets into and you don't have to pull it in, take it out, put it into another platform, put it in somewhere else, bring it in, because as soon as you're shifting stuff away from one piece of software to another, errors and mistakes do creep in. So it's an end-to-end program. Once you get the data in, you can do your analysis, you can do your reporting, and you can share it. That's pretty amazing. And I'll use the buzzwords of machine learning and artificial intelligence. Is that peppered into there or is that next generation? Well, I think AI is is a pretty overused term, actually. It's a broad term. Yeah. But it's a term that sort of promises a lot, but often delivers little. And so we were using some of the principles of machine learning, and it's very much present in the ability, say, when you're updating a tracking study, the program remembers what you do, remembers the data, remembers exactly what is required with your new data update, boom, and it can flow through almost seamlessly, actually. So with data updates, they're very, uh, it's a very, very efficient way using the power of machine learning, which is actually a form of AI. But there is so much more that we are looking at in that space. Yeah. So let's talk about the clients, because this is, to me, exciting. Like, give me an idea of... How, when you work with a corporate client or enterprise brand, on average, how many people actually have access to the data generally? It really depends on the organization. A company we started working with in, um, gosh, it would be a, close to 20 years ago was Coca-Cola. In those days, Stan Stanley Rathen, who was the VP of Knowledge and Insights, 
really had a vision for, for empowering the researchers. And the number of researchers around the Coca-Cola world was huge, enormous. They had the, some of the largest teams of uh, quantitative researchers, I think, that uh, we've seen. And so they had both their agencies and themselves in sync and with us as well, helping them. And there was a huge network of individuals, as there was with BAT as well. So hundreds of people have access to this? Oh, in answer to your question, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, hundreds and hundreds. Absolutely right. And it depends. And it, as I say, so Coca-Cola, I mean, I think at one stage there was, you know, sort of 500 people in one country, you know, in terms of just broad access to anyone who wanted to be able to access it because uh, of the worldwide license they had. So, yes, the numbers are, can be huge. Teams are in flux, but you still have to get your research in the field. Partnership with Paradigm Sample means you get our expert focus on every detail of your project. We have access to over 1 million consumers and business professionals who are eager to voice their opinions and participate in traditional and non-traditional online studies. Whether it comes to sampling, programming, and hosting services, or consultation and collaboration, we are agile and quick to meet your needs. Learn more. Visit ParadigmSample.com today. And did you find that, you know, yes, empowering users, empowering the client to use the data obviously is critical. They can make quick decisions because it's accessible to them. But did you find that they got more return on value based on the research spend that they made? Well, if you consider how much a research project, how much investment a research project actually requires, so much of the work is designing the questionnaire, you know, building the sample, deploying it, doing the reporting, and then move on to the next project. But yes, the next fire. All the, yeah, all the next fire, that's right. Uh, yeah. All the value, all the treasure is in that data. And so giving an organization the ability to keep that data alive and keep it fresh and also to get a return on that investment for weeks, months, if not years to come. And say some of those UNA studies, I mean, organizations may not do those for you know, three or four years. So keeping that data alive is exactly what, what the software enabled people to do. Yeah. So yes, indeed. Yeah. And listen, change is always hard. We always think it's going to be faster than it really is. Uh, have you found there's a certain profile of person that gets it, whether it's in a market research agency or if it's at a corporate client? Is, do you typically, you can tell, okay, this person gets it. This is probably a good fit for us. It's exactly that, actually. S some people just get it. Yeah. Rob Ferris from BAT, Stan at Coca-Cola. These people just got it. I just got it from day one immediately. And that's still the case to today. Russell at Orange is, is absolutely another key person. James Johnson at Shell again. And also, you know, there are people that the newer clients, the newer agencies work on. Right. Such as Paul, one of the founders at Dig Insights also, because there's now a whole generation of agencies working with our platform. So, yes, it's a spot-on question because it's exactly, we've talked about that many, many times over the years, that some people, the light goes on and that's it. So, yes. I would imagine that's the case. And I, I think it's people who want to create change, people who have a vision of how they want to spend their time. What do you see evolving in the data visualization? And to some degree, what you guys provide is the data prep and processing. What changes do you see in the future in that space? 
Well, I mean, I mentioned BI, but BI tools have certainly moved into the market research space, primarily driven by IT budgets, which are substantial compared to market research's budgets are relatively modest in comparison. Right. And so there is a promise of delivery, but aggregated data, which is generally what BI tools work with, just doesn't really hit the mark for market researchers. You really want to be able to drill down into the data. The advent of data lakes. Data lakes is obviously something, it's a conversation that comes up all the time. But again, data lakes is just a place where stuff goes. Right. Again, the tools to getting stuff in and out of them, in terms of pulling your data and being able to make some use of it, really doesn't, hasn't really quite worked for market research yet. So we're in that space as well. So we're working uh, with a number of companies in order to be able to use build APIs to push or bring stuff in and out and uh, again, be facilitated to enable market researchers to be able to provide the sort of insights that companies need. And this trend, or it's not even a trend, does this concept of agile research impact info tools in any way? Like how does that impact your universe? Well, I mean, within software development, you know, agile is something that's somewhat of an overused term, actually, and there's a lot of debate about it. And we as a company, we were um, using waterfall methods for many, many years, actually. And waterfall, to a great extent, is reflective of micro-research projects. That is, all the planning, all the work is up front, and you get to the end of it, and then you've got some data. But... Interactive tools such as Harmony Platform enables you to really get into that data much earlier on. I mean, especially if you want to do any test marketing, you want to do a small sample of it, you can get that stuff up and running relatively easily. And so the long process of, which I mentioned earlier on, which was design, sample selection, reporting, blah, 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 can be completely shrunken in terms of the time it takes. And we can be much more agile in helping organizations get started much quicker as well. I mean, we all hear quicker, faster, cheaper is, I think, the (laughs) 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 it is those buzzwords. But those things can be achieved a lot more efficiently now than they've ever been able to. Yeah, I mean, I believe in the space that you're in, people still need to consume the data. They still need to analyze the data. And it's a matter of how fast do you get it into a system to be able to draw insights from it. That need will always be there. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's still a, quite a tough task to evangelize the industry because a lot of the industry is still working with software that's 20, 30 years old and, and practices which are still old. We get asked, well, no, I just want tables. That's all I want. So the tables of 30 years when we started, rooms sort of tables, still persist today. Yeah. So there is quite a lot of, not resistance, but I think slow adopters. So some of them uh, think there's this spot crossing the chasm, which talks about these different stages of adoption. And so that very, very early stage is the innovators. It's not even the early adopters. It's those that, and people like Dig are absolutely spot on and they are absolutely in that sector. So we're still very early on in the days. I mean, before we actually launched our Harmony platform, our cloud-based platform, we did a little bit of research ourselves actually on the market with Cambiar and to really explore about people's appetite and what they were actually doing with research. And in those days, I was probably about six, seven years ago. They were, I mean, 70, 80% of the world was using PowerPoint. And the ability or even the appetite to consider a tool that did it all, brought it all together, there was huge amounts of skepticism. 
people just didn't think actually that could be done. So there's quite a lot of built-in skepticism. It's changing, it's slowly changing, and the world is changing, as we said at the beginning. You know, people, the digital revolution has very much arrived, and as we're seeing everywhere now. So it's interesting. You've been on this journey for 30 years, and my understanding is you've kept, you know, a core group of people through this journey with you and brought them along, right? And change is hard. I mean, we all, we talk about the culture of change, the culture of innovation. How do you bring employees along? How did you get people to kind of get on the bus and say, yes, this is, we need to do this? What are your kind of, you know, philosophies? It's weird, you know, the, we've had people who have been here for 25 years who've come straight from university and have stayed. Yeah. So the culture of a company is absolutely critical. And the people are the things that you remember most over the years. You know, whether it's standing at a bar at a conference having a drink with somebody or it's working with a client that you moves and you connect again later. But it's the people, the people, the people. And funny enough, there's a Maori proverb, actually, which is quite frequently used down here in New Zealand, and which I think goes something like, what's the most important thing in the world? And it is the people, it's the people, it's the people. So true. So, you know, without our people, we have nothing. Sure, we've got the technology, great, but it's the people. It's the people who interact with our customers and our clients, people who are out talking with our customers, people who are building software, who are preparing data, who are helping us deliver and explain and spread our our message. So, yep, the people are fundamental. And, you know, we make sure that we, the culture of the company is, and the values that we follow are really a key part of what makes InfoTools tick. Yeah, it is amazing. I think that speaks a lot to, you know, again, if you're going to create change and you're going to evolve, the people have to buy into it, which really means trust and leadership, trust and management to go through that journey. How are you guys doing as a result of COVID-19 and the impact to your business? We suffered a little, primarily because a lot of, as the bigger research organizations did, because face-to-face interviewing is just something that hasn't been able to be undertaken. Right. So, yeah, so we did have quite substantial losses early on. Fortunately, we've been able to make those up, actually, since that time. But, yeah, it has had an impact. It's changed the industry. There's no doubt about it. Oh, for sure. And yeah. we don't know is how long it's got, that change is going to be there for. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to share your story, share your passion, and, you know, get people to understand kind of, you know, what InfoTools focuses on. And I love this notion of unlocking value for the data to empower researchers to continue to plug away at their the data that's already accessible to them. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. You know, people are spending vast amounts on data collection and getting the data, but all the treasure is in that end data. And so being having technology to be able to sift and find things within that database, within that data is really the sort of key to getting massive return from the investment and to keep that investment alive. Thank you for tuning in to Data Guru's podcast. This episode has ended, but your exploration doesn't have to. Head over to www.dataguruspodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. Exclusively. That's www.dataguruspodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.